0: You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Awesome. So good that you're here with us. I've already met some new people, met a young man invited here today for the first time. I'm so glad that you would come and visit with us here at Mapleview. Um, I just want to dive right in. I, I should, I'm not sure if they're putting pictures up there or not, but. Uh, The other one I was caught with wearing a Habs jersey, caught meaning I put it on and got the, I got the reaction that I was looking for. So I am not a a Habs fan. I am a very strong, avid Maple Leaf fan, just for the record. That was that, seeing that picture, (laughs) yes. Wind and fire, our theme for 2023 here at Maple View, both of these, words, wind and fire, represent and reflect the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And I was thinking as I was prepping for this message that if you were to combine those two words, wind and fire, you have the potential for a a, a blazing fire. And I wonder if that represents How God desires us to live for Him. That we would be set ablaze by the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit. We need, we must recognize and establish that Holy Spirit is God. God the Father. God the Son, God the Spirit, also known known as the Trinity, three-in-one God. If you have your Bibles or a digital Bible on your phone, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Keep it open. I'm going to be preaching through the book of, uh, or the chapter 2 of Acts. If you want to turn to verse number 1, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to read the first four verses. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Oops, wrong chapter. (laughs) Chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, how many were filled? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Don't get distracted by the tongue thing for right now. Just, let's just keep going and move past that. Lots of People have trouble with that, they, and that's where they, they confuse the Holy Spirit as something that's weird, and oh, I'm not sure about this, but for now, we're just going to move through the chapter, and I want to uh, show a difference that the Holy Spirit can make in each one of your lives. In case you haven't heard it, as, as this is the New Testament, this is the early days of the church as we know it today. But in case you haven't heard it recently, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is still available to all of those who call Jesus their Lord. The book of Acts is filled with examples of the power and the results of the moving of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. What happened to Peter on this particular day of Pentecost changed Peter's life dramatically forever. And you need to know that the Holy Spirit can, t- can change your life dramatically as well. You remember Peter? Do you know who I'm talking about? He's one of the disciples of Jesus. We're going to look at the life of Peter for a moment, and I want to call it PPP, pre-Pentecost Peter, and post-Pentecost People Peter. Many people think of Peter as the one who constantly was opening his mouth when he should have been keeping his mouth shut. Peter had that notorious disease called foot-in-mouth disease. Wave your hand if you know someone... No, I'm kidding. Don't, don't, no, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) There are a lot of hands started to go up there. But Peter seemed to be that guy that just didn't know when to shut up. Often we see him interjecting or interrupting conversation, doing and saying things that he shouldn't have been doing and saying. But in spite of Peter's disease, Jesus still loved him. And that's what I love about Jesus. He loved and still loves imperfect people like you and me. Peter was constantly getting himself in a pickle, often by what he said. And I want to highlight some of those. There's a number of of instances where Peter shouldn't have been doing or saying what he shouldn't have been doing, was doing these things. I've only picked six out for today. Number one. In one instance, in Matthew chapter 15, Peter says, hey, Jesus, Jesus had just confronted the Pharisees and was teaching the Pharisees of what they shouldn't be doing and what they should be doing. And after it was all over, Peter said, Jesus, can you explain that to me? Because I don't get what you just said. And Jesus responded with a phrase that you wouldn't think Jesus would say. He said, Peter, are you still that dull to not understand it? But Jesus went on patiently and began to explain the parable to the disciples and Peter. The second one, Peter was among the disciples who tried to prevent the children from coming to Jesus. And of course, Jesus rebuked him, rebuked them for doing that. Number three, there's the time that Jesus was washing, I don't know if you remember this story, but Jesus was washing the feet of all the disciples. And when he gets to Peter, Peter's like, nope, not washing my feet. In fact, never, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, well, Peter, if, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you can have no part of, of me. And Peter said, oh, you know what? While you're at it, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my head, do it all, wash me all over kind of thing. Peter was that kind of guy. Number four, Peter was also the disciple who almost decapitated the soldier that was arresting Jesus, Malchus. He had come to arrest Peter, and Peter whips out his sword and makes a slice toward his head, and instead of chopping his head off, he chopped his ear off. Jesus rebuked Peter for that, and then he reattached or healed the guy's ear. John chapter 18. Number five, in Matthew 16, Jesus is with his disciples and now he begins to explain what's about to happen in the days and weeks ahead to him. And he begins to tell them that the chief priest and and the leaders uh, of the law of the day were going to treat him harshly and they would end up uh, arresting him and he was going to be killed and then he would rise again three days later. Peter was, no, Peter starts to rebuke Jesus. He says, you can't do that, Jesus. A scripture actually says he took him aside. He said, Jesus, you, you can't do this. No, that's never going to happen. And then, anybody know the response that Jesus gave him? This is in Matthew 16, verse 22. Then Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Says to Peter, You are a stumbling block to me, Peter. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but just human concerns. So this is Peter pre-Pentecost. Peter was messing with God's plan of salvation. And Jesus wouldn't have any of it. There's other things that Peter says and does, but the last one, number six. The worst thing, in my opinion, that Peter ever said would have to be that time that he denied even knowing Jesus. In fact, Scripture says that not only did he deny him once, not only did he deny knowing Jesus a second time, but three times Peter denied even knowing Jesus, and then the rooster crowed, as Jesus had already prophesied. And it's interesting, right before this happened, Jesus was telling the disciples, many of you are going to fall away. You're going to turn away from me. And, and Peter said back to Jesus, they may all fall away, but I'll never fall away from you, Jesus. In many respects, after the fact, we can see Peter as that fickle, weak follower of Jesus, to say the least. And I wonder if any of us here today display any of Peter's characteristics, any of his traits. Maybe um, keeping your faith a secret from your coworkers or your neighbors. You're the you're the undercover Christian. But then in Acts chapter 2, we begin to see Peter in a different light. He becomes totally transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter, the same Peter who just weeks ago denied knowing Jesus, and now we're about to see him with boldness that literally is out of this world is like, who is this guy? as he begins to defend uh, Jesus and begins to preach to a crowd that he would have ran from in a previous season of his life because he was full of the Holy Spirit. In chapter two that we just read, verse 14, we see Peter standing up with the 11 other disciples and it says he raised his voice and addressed those that had gathered there, addressed the crowd. And this is what he said, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem and around the area, let me explain this to you. And so a bunch of people after those verses that we read early on a bunch of other people had gathered because they heard that sound from heaven as well and they gathered around them and now Peter is confronting them because of their reactions and he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live here, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people that you're pointing fingers at, they are not drunk as you think they are But today you are hearing what the prophet Joel said. And at that time, that would have been about 400 years prior when Joel prophetically said, And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will have Visions and your servants and your handmaidens, in those days I will pour out my spirit upon them. And so that's what's just happened to this group of 120 people in the first four verses of Acts chapter two. And so this, Peter goes on. He says, you people, along with other wicked men, put Jesus to death You killed him on a cross. Let all of Israel be sure of this that God has made this Jesus, who you murdered, God has made him the Messiah. God has made him the Lord. This is Peter calling them out for having a part in crucifying Jesus, the Messiah. This power and boldness is coming from the Holy Spirit of God and it's now operating in Peter's life. If you keep going in chapter two with verses 37 and 38, we see the response of the people as Peter preached this powerful sermon. And then it says, when the people heard what Peter was preaching, they were cut to their heart they were sorrowful they were regretful that they had played a part in crucifying the messiah and they said to peter what shall we do you're right we get it and peter responded and said repent of your sins and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter was filled. He was empowered by the Spirit of God and was no longer denying that he knew Jesus, the Jesus that he hung out with for about three years, literally spent every day with, he denied him, but a few weeks, weeks later, he's now full of the Holy Spirit, and now he's preaching to those same people that put Jesus on the cross. And verse 41 says, and those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. In other words, 3,000 people repented of their sin, and they became followers of Jesus Christ. And Peter's just getting wound up. He's just getting started. If you were to go through the book of Acts, if you were to turn the page, which I started to read chapter 3 earlier, Peter keeps going. You may have heard this story before but peter and john are on the way to the temple they had no trouble still going to the temple and they were at they were going up to the temple and scripture tells us that outside the gate called beautiful there was this lame beggar he was crippled since birth and the next chapter i think it is that it gives us information that the beggar is 40 years old. So he's been coming, he's been brought there every day. And Peter and John are going past him, and the guy's there begging for alms. He's looking for some money to to pay for his living expenses. And as they go by, Peter stops and stares at, at the beggar and, and he says, Look at us. And the beggar focused in on Peter and John, and Peter says, Silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Forty years not being able to walk. And Peter took him by the arm, and Peter lifted him up. And Scripture says that the man began to jump and leap and praise God. The power of the Holy Spirit was flowing through Peter and John, and the man was healed. And then Peter starts preaching hard again. That story, chapter and verses have been implemented, put into the scripture by man, just so you know. And sometimes there's a break when there doesn't need to be one. And so chapter four is continuing on from chapter three. And then Peter starts preaching hard again to the crowd that had witnessed the healing of this beggar. This crippled beggar. They had witnessed uh, witness seeing him jump and leap, and and they begin to gather around. But the next day, Peter and John were arrested and they were thrown in prison because they were preaching about Jesus and about this healing. But it doesn't faze Peter or John. They're not backing down, not even a little. Listen to Peter's response in chapter four, verse eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, If we're being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to this man who was lame and now he's healed, then know this you and all the people of Israel, by the name, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, it's the same God that raised Jesus, who you crucified from the dead. It's the same God that just healed this crippled beggar. This is Peter filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is full of these kinds of examples of Holy Spirit power. If you want to build and increase Your faith, read the book of Acts, and then reread it again. Scripture says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by, anybody know the answer? By the word of God. Your faith can be built up by reading and hearing the word of God. As you read through, I'm going to challenge you, I dare you to read through the book of Acts. Ask. Holy Spirit to empower you with the same power that Peter experienced. Sometimes, this is just between me and me, but sometimes I wonder if the church, if the worldwide church of Christ followers, I wonder if the church is at a deficit when it comes to operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's many things that we can be under the influence of. But if you're going to be under the influence of anything, I would recommend that you be under the influence of the Spirit of God. The best kind of under the influence that you could ever be under. I pray to God that we would locally and worldwide, that we would not be a church that's lukewarm. That was a great chance for an amen right there. I pray that we would guard against so many distractions that rob us time spent with Jesus that will rob us time waiting in the presence of the Holy Spirit and letting him download, if you will, to you. Whatever your Christian faith, those of you who are Christians but maybe come from a different tradition, I want to encourage you if Holy Spirit hasn't been a focus of your tradition, I want to to say that it is crucial that we include the moving and the operating of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. It's not a judgment. It's just an encouragement. As Jesus instructed the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit, I believe we need to wait and be in the presence of God Seeking the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. I feel like there's so many distractions that are vying, that are battling for our attention. Things that distract us from God's plans and purposes. Things that rob us of telling others about Jesus. When that happens to me, when I feel... You know, I'm not spending that time. I feel I miss opportunities in speaking life to others because distractions have crept in there. We have so much stuff that naturally distracts us. Life itself can distract us. Our calendars can distract us. Strained relationships can distract us. Our finances can distract us from God. Our health can distract us from God. Our personal ambitions can distract us from God. Our drive for success can distract us away from God. And those things aren't bad. TV can so easily distract us, whether it's a show or a movie. Or whether it's sports, Super Bowl Sunday, news can even distract us. Some people, that's all they watch. And they shut it off being discouraged and frustrated. And my goodness, what's the world coming to? There's so many distractions. And then there's that other thing, social something, uh, what is it? Um. Social media, that's it, thank you. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, a barrage of other ones that I have no clue. Tick something, talk something. Ever notice the amount of time that you spend being robbed? From your life. At different times, I've deleted all those apps until somebody says, Hey, Craig, did you hear about that? Did you see that? It's like, No, what happened? Fear of missing out, and so I reinstall the apps and I look it up, do that for a while, and then I uninstall and then I reinstall. No wonder we don't have time to be reading God's word because we're reading other stuff. So many distractions. It's hard to fit prayer into that. It's hard to fit reading the word into that. I've noticed that distractions can happen so easily, so innocently, so unconsciously that we get distracted. I remember a number of years ago, and in fact, it's I know how long it was. It was 31 years ago that I, I was a part of being distracted. Uh, I was youth pastoring at a church in southwestern Ontario 30-plus years ago, and this incident happened a, a couple of years after I was at that church. Our senior pastor, our lead pastor, had resigned, and so we were getting a new pastor coming in. The new pastor came in, and uh, let's... Let's just call him uh, Pastor Keith. And so Pastor Keith came and he was our new pastor. And uh, my, um, my office was just built after I got there in the basement of the church. But my office actually sat right above the receptionist's office and the senior pastor's office and there was a door through there and there and so the receptionist wasn't in this day and i had already been in my office for a while and uh pastor keith showed up and uh so i i could hear him you could hear walking across, you know, above me, and and I could tell that he had sat down at his desk. And and so when he sat down over there, I called the reception's uh, phone, and I heard him running out to get that phone. And when I thought he was there, I hung up, and then I called his phone, and he'd run back there. And this went on for like two hours. No, I'm kidding. Like two minutes. And so I, I, and by this time, you know, four or five times of doing this, I'm literally rolling in laughter and and so i i keep doing it and then it, it stopped he caught on and then he poked his head around my door and caught me red handed and i and and we were we we're we just laughed and he thought it was funny that i got him and and uh, you know i'm just getting to know this guy and so i was taking a chance there right and but he was a great guy and and so you know even to this day when we get together you know half the times we see each other we'll mention that incident and and we have we have another a laugh at it. And, and so I think, you know, how, I, you know, I, I, then and since even preparing my message, I thought, man, Pastor Keith was so easily distracted, you know, and he kept running back and forth. But then again, you know, I was being distracted as well because I was having some fun. The closing few minutes of this message may be new information for some of you here today. Others may just simply need a reminder. As followers of Jesus Christ, my and your primary purpose in life, your very existence, is so you can point people to Jesus. We need to be pointing people to Jesus. When was the last time you allowed that purpose to be a guiding influence in your life? Take a moment and let that settle in. Let that land in your spirit and in your mind that that's what God has called us to do, to point people back to him. Church, we can't stop being the salt of the earth. We can't stop being the light of the world. The world needs to hear and see our influence and not the other way around. We don't need the influence of the world on our lives. We need to influence the lives of those who don't know Jesus. Here's the crux of the matter. Here's the question that we all have to ask ourselves Have we waited on the Holy Spirit's direction in our lives? Have we sought the Holy Spirit? In other words, is your life pointing to Jesus? There are some biblical principles or disciplines that I have used that can be helpful for you if you need to realign yourself, if you need to be more open the moving of the Spirit of God in your life. Maybe some of these will help you as well. Number one, are you reading the Word of God consistently? Are you reading the Bible? Are you praying, talking, listening to God? Scripture actually instructs us to pray without ceasing. Number three, are you privately worshiping God through the week? Or is it just on Sunday? And worship isn't just singing. It's telling God that you love him. It's telling God how great he is. It's inviting God to move in your life in a special way. Do you ever fast and pray? Are you putting on the full armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil days, which I believe that we're in, and having done all to stand, Ephesians chapter 6? Are you consistently waiting and seeking the Holy Spirit and his direction. God, what do you want me to do today? Who is it that you want me to speak to today? And maybe you don't know that, but somebody comes into your life on a day and Holy Spirit's like, speak to him. Talk to him. Speak life to them. Are you, number seven, are you actively serving God with your gifts and with your talents that God has blessed you with? And number eight, are you sharing Jesus with somebody else? If, if we don't do any of those things, then who's leading our lives? What influence are we being influenced by if those things aren't a part of our lives? Maybe we just need to dive in Ephesians chapter 5 says, be filled with the Spirit. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, to the debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. We need more than ever to lean on the Spirit of God in our daily lives. What we see in Acts, it didn't end in Acts. What we see in, in Acts is available to each and every one of us today. I believe that the church needs nothing greater than a fresh wind of the Spirit of God. I believe that the church today needs a fresh fire to come and rest upon us. We can't afford to be lukewarm, church. We can't afford not to be led by the Spirit of God. I close with this verse. Do you know that we are a chosen generation? We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, 9. The Holy Spirit is for you today. Father in heaven, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you today. If that's you, church, pray with me in your mind. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and flow through us. May the wind of your spirit flow through us. May the fire of your spirit rest upon us. God, that we would be bold and we would be courageous followers of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this day, for this time together. Holy Spirit, go with us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would prompt and you would quicken those that have invited you to be a part of their lives. Throughout this day, God, may your Holy Spirit Quicken hearts and minds. If you're here today or watching online and you have not accepted Jesus, I pray and I invite you to invite Jesus into your heart. All you have to do is say, God, forgive me. I am a sinner. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you each one. You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. (laughs)